Excuse me, can I please talk to you for a minute? Uh-huh, sure. You know, you look kind of familiar. Yeah, you do too. I just want to know, do you know a podcast named The Podcast Is Mine? Oh yeah, I know that podcast. I just want to let you know that it's mine. No, no, it's mine. Hi, and welcome to The Podcast Is Mine. I'm Sunny Grawl. And I'm Bushan Kumar. How are you doing, Sunny? I'm really good, Bushan. The weather is amazing again. I'm loving this. It's so good, honestly. Like, you uh, you bring the sun in, Sunny. <laughs> honestly, wherever you go, like, you know, you are living up to your name. We are so, so grateful for it, you know. We're clinging on to it. How has your it? week been? It's been really good. Um, I've been reading this book recently called oh. Deep Work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wide set. <laughs> exactly. Side-eyed, everybody. Deep Work, yes. Um, it's by an author called Cal Turner, so he's an American okay. professor. And the kind of subtitle of the book is um, How to Focus in a World Full of Distractions. Okay. Um, and it's not normally the kind of self, it's like a self-help book. And yeah. It's not something that I would normally read, but I found it in my local library. Okay. And it's actually really excellent. It's kind of changed the way I think about working. I feel like I need this. Yes, I Seriously, t- though, like, it's a revolutionary, okay. that kind of like process. Um, so Cal Turner talks about how in a normal working day, you've only got like... Um, an hour and a half of deep work. So mm. deep work, it might be something where you've got to absolutely focus okay. and you don't want any distractions at all. And he kind of gives like really practical uh, tips and methods on mm. how to utilize and focus yourself when you're working. And it's just been so good. Like it's completely blown. I'm going to get you a copy. Girl, like, I literally. need it. Actually, My... if you look under your picnic blanket <laughs> right now, <laughs> there's you a copy. Get a copy. You, you get a copy over there. <laughs> I definitely need one of those in my life. I think my personality type is one where I need a bit of guidance on structure for those sorts of things. I can nail it, but I need some kind of guidance. Some kind it. of framework and yeah, stuff. Framework. And that's exactly what this book does. And like I thought like, you know, this would be very American and yeah. uh, it's not. It's just like the way he's written it is very matter of fact and mm. you know, he talks about how you need to train other people's expectations of you, mm. which is like a really Something I'd never really thought about. Oh God, I've got to be careful about who I give this to. I don't want other people to train <laughs> me on how to expect things. Exactly. But then at the same time, it might make for a more efficient um, working, working relationship. relationship each way. Each way, because then, like, you know, they know what to expect from you. You know what to expect from them. Okay. And then there's none of this kind of, like, rubbish in between of, like, emailing and, like, you know, all these kind of things popping up and... Cal Turner So it's Deep Work by an author called Cal Turner and Cal Turner also wrote So Good They Can't Ignore You Oh wow (laughs) Cal knows girl honestly The library of his books and houses (laughs) So what have you been up to this weekend? I have been making the most of the amazing weather so at the tail end of last week I was still working but in the evenings I was getting out and Mm -hmm. getting into I've spent three days in a row in Soho (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Deep work doing deep work I'm sure it's a different type of deep work and we'll be talking about that in an after hours episode <laughs> subscribe to our only fans if you want to hear that but uh mm. yes it was it's so nice to be in soho where with this new alfresco mode mm-hmm. that they've activated it's just very european it reminds me of being in cities like portugal in lisbon in portugal and like rome it's it's so nice to be outside and feel warm enough to enjoy the time and the atmosphere we don't have live music but there was one experience that I had that I'm, I'm sure we could talk about at some point during the podcast around <laughs> music in Soho. But it's it's been good to spend time outside safely, social distancing, mm-hmm. um, and be around people. And you can tell that all the, the shops and restaurants, bars, they're making such a huge effort to keep everybody safe. Yeah. And to make us feel welcome. And I can imagine after so long of being maybe furloughed or, you know, even worse, maybe laid off and maybe they're starting new jobs to feel like they've got some purpose and... 
I think it's it's a, a step in the right direction. I, I don't know how long it'll last, but it's um, yeah, it, it felt really good. It's yeah. very welcome, exactly. Because I imagine like Soho's not. Um, I was actually in Oxford Street yesterday, okay. like during the day. Um, <laughs> Zara returned. Oh. Lols, if you <laughs> always I might Zara. Bump into you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and yeah, it it was noticeable that like you know normally Saturday on uh, in Oxford Street you avoid like the plague. Yeah. And like, you know, Soho, like on a Saturday night, it's fun, but you wouldn't really always go. So it sounds really lovely that, like, you know, yesterday when I went shopping, it was really nice. Yeah. And I was really surprised, like, there wasn't that huge crowd and everyone was like, you know, wearing masks and... Yeah, I think people have... And it took me a bit of time. I think this was the first time I'd been out in a shop, Mm. um, other than a supermarket, that um, when the new law had been enforced about a mandatory mask. And I, I forgot a couple of times, but everyone was really kind of reminding you very fairly and quite firmly when you're entering this, the shop and I, I, I was happy to take that reminder yeah it's, I've, I've, very, I've seen a very small fraction of people not wearing them and there yes. may be genuine reasons why they can't yeah but exactly it did it, I, it's interesting you say that because that was the first time I've seen Oxford Street since it's unlocked again mm-hmm. not that busy because the first couple of times I went I think it's when it had first opened it was rammed oh, really? I don't know if people have kind of maybe stepped away after having maybe had a bit of an experience and using using up their money on the sales that they've saved up. <laughs> but it, it felt quieter on, on Saturday as well for me, I noticed. Mm. Definitely, definitely I mean, it's very pleasant. I mean, like, if it could... In a good way, in, yeah. In, yeah. And, like, you know, I know that uh, all the retailers and everybody's like, oh, we're missing the tourists and we're missing the foreign money. But at the same time, it's lovely as Londoners to have the city kind of to uh, you know mm. either there's like i mean it's inter- it's an interesting segue isn't it because like it what's the topic today that we're well, going to be discussing our topic is all about lockdown life in london as well yeah lockdown 2020 Down and life. like it feels so pertinent to to kind of yeah an important know. topic for us to cover exactly. yeah but we'll be back right after this and welcome back so on the 20th 20- third of March 2020 Boris Johnson took the unprecedented step of putting the UK into lockdown and that was to limit the spread of the coronavirus. To say this was life-changing is a complete understatement but it felt important to document this in our podcast and we felt that it's the right time to do this and the intention is to revisit this in the future and examine how our understanding has changed. So Bush I wanted to start with what were you doing when the lockdown was announced? Yeah, so it was actually really strange because um, at the time I didn't realise this, but I actually had the virus. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so this was like early March. Um, it was because it was, at that time the whole thing about um, the virus was, um, you know, if you have the cough and you have like um, a fever, but nobody said anything mm-hmm. about losing your taste of smell and or your sense of taste and yeah. smell. And that's what had happened to me. I mean, oh the lead up to it was like um, on the day I'd had um, I'd, I'd been to a weightlifting class and then I'd gone grocery shopping afterwards and then I'd walked a long distance. Because at this point, everything was still open, wasn't it? Still open. And like, you know, the coronavirus, the, the, the noise was getting louder and louder. This was like kind of early March. I had um, like, um, yeah, it was in the first few weeks of March. And yeah, the noises about coronavirus were kind of getting a bit louder. Like, you know, there was this virus from China and apparently it was spreading across the world. And, you know, the parts of Europe were beginning to show hotspots and things like that. But it didn't really seem that it would come here to London. And like, you know, we were like kind of living in this bubble. And so I, I felt a bit kind of, I felt very weird on like this fr- on a Friday. And I felt like my like my thighs were really hurting. And I thought, well, I've just done an exercise class and I've just walked with the groceries yeah, like and Dom's things. Kind of thing. Exactly. And then the, ne- and the next day I felt even worse. And then like, um, I remember I, I, I thought oh, I'm going to have a really strong coffee because maybe that will boost me up yeah. and like, 
uh, try and get some sleep and mm. stuff. Because normally I thought it like a night of sleep. Straight after a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently if you nap after a coffee, like you get like a power, it's for a power I've nap. I've heard that. Apparently so, you meant just 15 minutes, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a little disco nap. Wow. And then like you're good to go. It works. I it need works to really try well. it. Um, but when I, t- I remember tasting the coffee and it was just like hot water and I was just like, where is, why is this coffee? That, that was quite oh, a so you didn't have the taste at that soon? My taste had gone and I couldn't smell it either. And I was like, oh, I'm sure I put in like, a, you know, however much. And like, it didn't feel, and I also just kept being really, really tired. And anyway, this kind of like um, built up even further. Um, and then soon before, we, uh, I was kind of like sleeping like up to 15 hours a day because I was just so um, exhausted and tired and... It was just, yeah, it divided, like, it was, it was, so it was, Does it I feel knew, like a normal fever, sorry? It, it? it didn't, this is the thing, like, it felt, like, normally, you know, with a fever, like, mm. kind of, I didn't, like, I normally have, like, a fever for a week or something, yeah. and it goes away, and you know that it kind of breaks, like, in the second or third day, and the rest of the time yeah. you're recovering. This didn't seem to go away, like, it just kept constantly, I'd wake up in the morning, and, like, it's only my vanity that used to make me go and have a sh- <laughs> like, I was so, like, like you know, I could be on my we deathbed, need to and be I was, like, dressed, <laughs> dressed exactly, and, showered and yeah. dressed, and I have to say, like, in the, like I had the virus for about 16 days wow. and I think only two of those days I didn't shower because I was just like I couldn't Exhausted. do it I was yeah. just so, like one day I remember I, I um I, like I could barely stay awake like I'd be up for like half an hour and I'd lost my appetite entirely and like I was feeling nauseous all the time and thing was like when I was looking at the symptoms like you know when the coronavirus symptoms it didn't say any of that it just said that if you've got a continuous cough or a new cough if you've got a temperature stay at home don't go to the surgery and then um, I tried the one 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 thing as yes. well, and it just said like, "Did you oh, get through?" No, and I just like kind of it didn't. It, I was doing it online, to be honest. I didn't call up, mm-hmm. but it didn't. It just said like stay at home and self isolate, and I just and that's all I did anyway. And what was really strange is like day nine, I woke up and I felt absolutely fine. Like I felt mm-hmm. weak, but I didn't feel the virus. Like in the sense that like um, I, you know, I could stay awake mm-hmm. for longer than half an hour, or I could. I didn't have my taste of uh, my taste and my smell back. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was it was just very weird. So the the long uh, the short story is um, when lockdown was announced, I was literally coming out of coronavirus. So like oh. I finally felt better at the end of it, and I was like, kind of yes, now I'm feeling like you know begin to feel myself. And then the next thing you know, Boris Johnson's like, we're all going into lockdown. It's like, oh, thanks a lot, Boris. <laughs> but <laughs> I've had it now. I want to live, carry on. Exactly. But do you remember we were meant to meet up that weekend, weren't we? We were, and which so, is so strange. What was what was going on with you? Like, yeah. At the time? So I think I, I'm trying to think my what my early memories of the virus was. And I was in Asia, wasn't I? Because yeah. we did we were talking about the solo trip, and I don't think it was. Um, you know, big big in the press at that time. But I came. I remember when I returned, probably early February. I had a friend that was going to Thailand or around Asia in the same time, and they were wearing masks there. And I thought, oh wow, the virus. Of course, it must mm-hmm. be really taking you know taking its hold now. But I always assumed maybe because of bird flu, all those historic um, epidemics, mm. that it wouldn't get to the West. Yeah, naively. And I'd seen a show on Netflix as well, The Pandemic, which obviously, I think that launched in January when I got back. And I remember thinking, oh, yeah, this will never happen and all this kind of stuff. So that weekend when it was leading up to to the actual lockdown, but before, I think it was a Monday, wasn't Mm, it, when Boris announced it? um, I had a friend that was planning on visiting London from um, from Manchester. Yeah. And we were meant to meet her. We were meant to meet her that time. I really wanted you to meet her Mm. and, and her likewise. And I just... We, we pushed forward with that trip and I thought is this something we should be doing I felt comfortable at that time naively to just carry on as normal mm. and she was happy to do the same and I think it was just 
as something we've been looking forward to. So maybe we didn't um, put enough emphasis on maybe needing to stay at home because we weren't getting enough guidance on this, and we can talk about yeah, that as well. Exactly. But it was um, what was London like that weekend? I remember it feeling quiet, and that was the first time I noticed it get quiet. Yeah, I'd been at work that um, the week before as normal. There were people coming in. Um, it was starting to get a bit quiet. People were talking about this virus and how you know to keep your hand um, good hand hygiene was like a priority. Hmm. Uh, but didn't really think it was anything that important until the Saturday when my so my friend arrived in the afternoon early afternoon and we were going for lunch and stuff and we noticed that actually there weren't that many people on the streets which was odd and she said oh is it normally like this and they said not this quiet Mm. and then we were like maybe we just haven't been paying attention have we been really negligent and then we went into Soho in the evening and we went for dinner and you can never get into this place um, to um, the Sri Lankan place Hoppers yeah and normally they have the curtains drawn, closed. <laughs> it's like, you're not getting, exactly, like, you're not getting yeah. in there. And they were open. And you could see into it. And there were a few tables. And there was a really hot guy working there. Where I was just, like, drawing us in. <laughs> and we just thought, we kept thinking, oh, this is great. We can do what we want yeah. without any kind of queue system or issue finding a place to eat. Mm. And... It was. It, we were a little bit nervous about maybe being really careful and cautious. So then I think the next day we spent nearly, well, maybe even most of that Saturday, spent time looking for hand sanitizer. <laughs> I think my friend had a little bit, but she didn't have much. Yeah, couldn't find it anywhere. That was completely out of stock. And then we were looking for uh, because we couldn't find any. We, start, we thought, why don't we make our own? So we googled. We went to the World Health Organization's website to find a PDF that had the recipe. <laughs> it was like making a bomb. We were like, you needed hydrogen peroxide, um, glycerol, and rubbing alcohol. So then we oh, very excited about rubbing yeah, exactly, alcohol, the yeah, animals, exactly, and wildlife the here. Like, what? It's like, I needed it too. They've got bird flu still as an issue. And I remember us running around to every booth trying desperately to find this stuff. And I was just... As usual, you know me, shopping for little luxury goods. <laughs> Clearing out the Liz Earl, like literally. Like, exactly. <laughs> and we were in a bar afterwards, after being in all these like chemists and um, boots and mm. stuff. And I was like, I can't believe all these people hoarding hand sanitizer and all the loo roll, all these kind of things. And then my friend was like, what have you got in your, what did you buy, Sunny? <laughs> and then we're taking stuff out of my bag and we realise that I'm, I'm hoarding you luxury toiletries. <laughs> So luxury skincare was definitely being hoarded by me. priority, okay? For some people it's an essential. This is an essential. And um, I was like, yeah, actually, everyone is probably behaving slightly differently. I was probably not buying things that I really needed. But actually, now, in retrospect, I'm glad because that eye bright lasted me all (laughs) lockdown. (laughs) Got to say, your eyes have never looked brighter, seriously. Okay, but that leads on to the next question. How was lockdown for you? you Lockdown has been so weird. And I think, like, um, from the people I've also spoken to, including yourself, We've this but, sorry, like we so we're recording this there's a seagull that really wants to guest on the podcast. I don't know why. <laughs> Keeps flying above us, it's really strange. Um lockdown's been really it's been good and it's been bad. Okay. So uh some of the bad sides of it is like at first it was like a shock. It was like kinda of like, Oh my god, how am I gonna spend three weeks at home and kind of yeah, you know, so I live with my parents and yeah. my older brother, we live in a flat and it was kinda of, you know, we were only allowed out for an hour a day. Do you remember that out? Yeah, about that. I mean that whole thing, and like you know, going shopping as well was like, you know, suddenly you had to queue up outside, and people in, you know, it was re- I remember going um, grocery shopping, 
and you know I wore like a scarf around my my face and I put a luckily we had a supply um so when I went to Dubai in December I don't know if you've seen the Naomi Campbell video where she cleans the plane have you seen this <laughs> it's one of the best things ever <laughs> I'm, we need to link but it. Naomi is like you know she was like uh, the prophetess she caught she saw this coming so when she goes on a plane she said explain how she doesn't get it like you know avoids okay. getting ill so she wears like a face mask and she cleans she said planes are like you know there's loads of germs and stuff I thought they sanitized yeah. them for us though. well they, they don't like so this is the thing so I took my Dettol and um, uh, wiped you know wiped, wiped um, yeah. and so luckily I had some plastic gloves I just bought some randomly yeah. at that point and so um, I, I, I went to, I remember going to the supermarket and like you know first of all you had to queue up for the supermarket and the queue was really long oh, that was weird wasn't it the that first time that was so strange I was like oh I just want to pop in and get some milk and bread and what have you and then like the next thing going into the supermarket as well anytime anyone would come near you you're like um, what are you doing yeah, like you know it was weird and it? I should add as well like I had by this point I had recovered like so it took me like after having the virus and then lockdown being announced in the first few weeks I probably didn't go out for another further two weeks like I, you know, I lost two inches on my waist as well, which was in, oh, like God. in one way was a blessing. Your one stomach flew away from <laughs> your goal one, weight. I was literally one stomach flew away from my goal weight. Yeah, what was really bizarre was like I bought these trousers on sale, and they were like like high waisted, like unforgiving. <gasps> like you could not have a single extra lump or bump or anything. And I remember, like, um, you know, because my appetite as well didn't return for like a week. I'm like a three meals a day kind of boy. Like, oh, I eat, you know, right. I eat That's and, healthy. You know, Good and, metabolism. Yeah. But you know, under Corona, I was only having like a slice of toast, and I was on the supermodel diet: half a cup of coffee and a slice of a cube toast. of cheese. <laughs> a cube of cheese when I felt faint. <laughs> Not that I could taste anything. And I remember even after even then, you still couldn't taste. Yeah, and I was like, for a week, I was skinny for a week, and it was incredible. And like, I remember putting on these trousers, and I could zip them up and I could hook I didn't have to use any of my styling tricks to, <laughs> to hide the muffin top there wasn't a muffin top I was like oh my god my stomach even my mum kept saying to me oh my god you're so skinny you're so skinny and I was just like thanks <laughs> I've waited a lifetime to hear this from you like you're you know that um yeah, so it, in that way, it was like kind of, it was kind of bad because then suddenly all these chairs. But then also, it reminded me of what was important. Like, like you know, I was very lucky that I was with my family. Yeah, thank God. That you know, that I've uh, been able to hug my mum and like you know, just be there for her, look after her, and like kind of make sure that she's okay. And Were they okay? Did they catch coronavirus? So weirdly, do you think, yeah, no. So my, uh, I was very good about self isolating. I was very good about, like I said, I had my Naomi kit. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I you had your throne in your bedroom. Throne. You were like, you guys serve food outside my door. <laughs> just leave the door. Leave the tray. And the thing was, because I wasn't eating and stuff, and I, I was very adamant of like not going into the communal areas in the house. Like I yeah. spent literally two weeks in my room just sleeping. That's a right like, thing to you do. Know. And um, you know, I was very. Uh, whenever I'd use the loo or anything, I'd always make sure I wiped yeah. after. You yeah. know, the, with the hand wipes. Want to protect which, your family. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And um, yeah, so that I mean, I was lucky in that respect. But in another way, I was. You know, I think what the whole kind of lockdown has done is brought up all the good and the bad. And I feel like, um, like you know, like exercise, for example, like I love exercising and going to classes and stuff. And then suddenly that was taken away because oh, obviously... It's such you know, a big part of you. Yeah, the whole fitness thing. And then it was like, kind of like you have to go and exercise in the park. And I was like, well, I don't know if I want to go and exercise. And yeah. it took me like about a month to get back into, to go back to exercise because, um, you know, it, even just going for a walk would tire me out yeah. for a while. And then slowly built up. To I do it, remember so. you saying that to me. Your stamina had just completely been depleted, and yeah. I think that's natural, isn't it, after being ill anyway? But this sounds like it's even probably aggravated because of the fact that there's all this social anxiety around it. Yeah. If I, do you remember like when you used to play like computer games, like Street Fighter or something? And do you remember like there was these special moves where like you know you have your hundred percent energy bar. Spinning bad kick. Spinning bad kick. <laughs> <laughs> but you remember this? Or like more like Mortal Kombat? You know, like the finish. Oh, the finish. Like, yeah. you know, 
But you know, there'd be like certain moves that you could do, or certain cheats where you could play, uh, apply the codes. Yeah, yeah. And then like the energy would deplete completely, and you were knocked out. And you were knocked out. That's what it felt like. It felt like you had. 100% energy and then you were automatically put on 20% and then wow. no matter what you did to try and conserve that energy it would slowly go down to zero really fast and there was no way of kind of um, kind it's scary of, isn't it because we don't we're not used to being in that kind of we have colds and flus and stuff but this is like this was like next level shit isn't it? and to think that I didn't that wasn't even severe like you know that what I had yeah, you, you didn't need to be hospitalised I didn't need to be hospitalised or anything like that but I'm a, I can only imagine what someone who had the cough or people who are still who've still got the symptoms mm. what they must I can't imagine how that must feel that must feel so so difficult yeah I knew, I knew a few friends that had the cough for a very very long time and I'm trying to think back when you're talking about feeling really really sleepy mm. um, I, I remember maybe in February having a bug of, it felt maybe for two, three days when I was just maybe exhausted and I was just, I think I slept the entire time. Mm. I'm not sure if it was COVID. I had, a, I don't remember the cough. Maybe I had a different th- th- version. This is the thing. It, we, uh, you know, we have not been given like the right information. And, <laughs> and it's stuff, so but... unique, the experience, isn't it? I think so. I think everybody reacts differently to it. Because like normally if there's like a cold or a flu in my house, one person gets it and then the yeah, other person gets it. Right. Do you know what I mean? It passes yeah. around. So it's weird that my, you know, touch wood, thank God that no one thank else God. in my family got it. Or, or no they one were fine seen. with it, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, I can imagine other people haven't been as lucky. So in, it's, it's, this is the kind of lockdown conundrum, isn't it? Like, in one way, like, you realise how lucky you are that, you know, we're lucky that we have, like, shelter, we have food, we have, you know, uh, ac- we have access to things. And, mm. like, you know, we, we have, we've, we've been relatively better off than others. Yeah. And at the same time, like, when it's been tough, like, mentally, like, you know, when you've, been stuck indoors with your family all day or like you've not been able to do certain things like it's it's felt so difficult like you literally feel like you're wading through mud it's all right so how how about you have you found the same or it's you're kind of reminding me of all the challenges i had because i before i came to meet you i was just (laughs) kind of reminding myself and reflecting and going through like my photo album because i typically take photos to remind me of things in the future and I went through and I was like, damn, there was so much that's gone on. Because it has been a long time. But then also I thought, you've just reminded me how difficult. I did find it in the beginning. And it was more dealing with the practical stuff. Because there was so much messaging from the government. It was obviously very mixed Mm. from work. Um, Speaking to friends a lot. Everyone, because I live alone, everyone was like, are you okay? Do you have everything you need? Um, and feeling like everything was in short supply. But then I think I just, I'm, I'm really OCD anyway and a bit of a clean freak. Mm-hmm. So when I realized that I had to sanitize everything, I, I don't know how to draw a limit on that stuff because I would go out to a shop and then spray myself when I come home. But then I was like, no, but I've touched my phone, so I need to spray my phone. And I didn't have sanitizer at that time either. So it was like using the Dettol wipes. Yeah. Thankfully, I had like a batch at home mm. and, you know, the, the sprayer, the spray cleaner as well. Mm. And just compl- going through that process of um, de- um, cl- cleaning everything and sanitizing, it was just really frustrating. I found it frustrating because I was like, I can't see an end to this. So when is it going to get easier? And then I think slowly, slowly, because we're human, we become become more complacent. Mm. But I also know that I'm OCD, so I'm like, I know I'll keep this up if I don't find a way to rein myself in. I think that's what I found difficult, not necessarily being um, living alone. I didn't feel alone, which I feel lucky that I didn't, because I was keeping in touch with people and, you know, having loads of video calls with friends. You know, the, the Zoom chats were like 
fully you know on mm. full go um, and then I started doing home workouts with friends as well over Zoom in the mornings we'd start at like seven o'clock in the morning which was hard going but mm. it was brilliant because it just kind of started your day with some physical activity which I'm used to because I love going to the gym so the way you go to dance mm. I love going to the gym and that really helped me I think and it but it also I think I felt exhausted because I wasn't sleeping as well as I normally would I'm not sure if it was because I didn't want to be late for waking up for the workout <laughs> I think it gave me massive anxiety not to be sleeping in mm. And then I think it's just also being emotionally drained. So my sleep patterns were a little bit off. Mm. So I think that's what I probably struggled with the most. And then f- finding food, I think it was a- another difficulty. But then actually, I was again, I was like really lucky because I, I use HelloFresh. Yeah. I just started. They were they were really really good to everyone. They just let everyone buy more meals than you normally would. Yeah. So I actually got nearly all my food from them. So mm. I thought okay I'm fine for food because I've got it it's just like I need to get milk and cereal for breakfast and stuff I've got plenty of stuff for dinners but it's just not having that same access to the stuff that you normally would like in terms of eating out that felt different and it was it it did completely disrupt my routine and in a really good way because I've done so I mean today you saw me you packed me (laughs) didn't you on the way here I did and I'm leaning on my helmet and I took up cycling, which I never thought I would do in London because I just thought it's too dangerous, can't do it. So I thought, let me start cycling. And now it's like my preferred mode of transport, even though we could, because we're so in one hose, we can walk everywhere. <laughs> we can walk, we can walk. Exactly. <laughs> But it's just nice to do it for a bit of physical activity and, you know, riding down places that I'd never been to, exploring little areas and neighbourhoods I'd never even known of. And seeing how cute London can be. And I think that's one of the things I've loved. And, and we have done a good job at meeting in the park, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, exactly. The park has been like, uh, you know, we that Wembley Arena wasn't available, obviously. Because <laughs> <laughs> we could have sold that place out like several times over. But yeah. Well, that's no. been the favourite thing, like discovering parks in a new way. And, mm. and we have been lucky that the weather's been so good. We are, absolutely. I mean, those few weeks that we've had where it's Every like time rain. I've been on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Every time you've been on holiday, we've had a heat... Yeah, can, can we talk about this? Because like, Sunny seems to have this like I said sunny in the sunshine honestly (laughs) every time you've taken time off work we've had a heat wave in the city this is like the fourth week and like (laughs) we've got like you know to be and also before everyone starts writing in about like when does he actually work he does do a lot of work actually so it does work out yeah and it's funny because I I think there was a a, the other thing I found hard was I wasn't taking time I'd had a few holidays and stuff already so it wasn't like I was desperate for a break yeah but I did need a break because emotionally I was drained work was so intense still Mm. and it still is really busy and I was just afraid of taking time off because I thought, what am I going to do? I'm alone. I'm in lockdown, blah, blah, blah. So I thought I've got to keep working through. And then eventually they encouraged us to start taking time off. And yeah. I, it was so nice to have that message because it, it kind of told me, look, you're not going to go away. So mm. just use your time because we're so used to being like FOMO is a massive thing, isn't it? In London, everywhere. Mm-hmm. But London in particular, I mean, I'm so glad you said FOMO because that's exactly what I was just thinking. I was thinking how during lockdown, it was like every, you know, walking around and you'd see everything was shut. So like obviously, you know, the bars, pubs, cinemas, theatres, everything. And you just knew that, you know, I remember I went out for a walk on, because I used to go out on walks, walks at night because I used to try to go yeah. during the day and it would always be busy. quite busy. Yeah, it's intimidating. Yeah. So uh, walking at night though, it was, dead quiet everywhere like you know if you were like a like a serial killer that was your time to shine <laughs> you know what I mean? 
<laughs> but um, it was, uh, I remember walking around and I was thinking, normally Friday everything would be buzzing. Like I wouldn't walk this way or I wouldn't go that way or do this or do that. But um, yeah, I was, was yeah, there was, uh, I just knew that there was nothing else going on. I didn't feel like, oh yeah, there's a party going on That's over there it. or so-and-so's there. Or so, like there was none of that. And it was actually quite a nice feeling. It was, oh, it actually felt really good that like, you know, um, everybody's kind of in the same and I, I like that kind of feeling of togetherness like you know that, so because that brings us nicely to our next point like you know how we were talking about like the government you know like the clap for the carers I mean I don't know how it was it, like I remember the first time that it happened it was quite emotional like I don't know did you guys did you, was it round you know in your block were people clapping at all yeah they did and I do remember it and I was caught off guard and I was like oh wow this is so nice that no actually no I saw that there was like a, a picture going round <laughs> on whatsapp wasn't there yeah. people forwarding it and it had spelling mistakes in the <laughs> website link and i was like i think it said clap for careers <laughs> i was like I, was, I had to cor- spelling i had to do all the spelling corrections for people were forwarding i was like please if you go to the website but all you needed to know was the time of when it was taking place thankfully and it was good it kind of made you think um yeah let's be grateful for these people that are working on the front yeah. line and key workers like yeah. just everyone that was out there and we had i had the privilege and you know not having to go into the office and i thought that's not you know that's really really an amazing blessing that i didn't have to expose myself outside other than when i needed to mm. so i felt i felt that was a, a massive privilege yeah. and how about you for the clap for carers you know because i uh, i remember seeing it on social media and i thought to myself right well i'm going to stand out there and clap because uh, i thought even if no one else in my estate does i'm going to do it and i'll you know like if they <laughs> what's what's the worst that was going to happen but what really surprised me is when i actually because it was dark then as well like at eight o'clock because i was so used to like these long yeah, days now and i remember standing out in the balcony and i was there about 7:59, and like i saw lots of other people because right? i can see like um we've got a high rise in front of us so i can see like the balconies there as well and uh, this swallow i'm telling you this seagull is so like our guest oh, co- contributor so you'll make exactly your segment's coming up hang on <laughs> um i remember seeing loads of people out in the balcony i was like oh this is right and then when the clapping actually started i felt really teary i was like oh my god oh, like no. this is so sweet like you know because like, it's not something that we generally do in london no, like we it's kind of like we are quite hard-nosed Sense bitches. Of community isn't yeah it? but everyone literally came together everyone was clapping and then like you know when you saw the news and you saw other social media and everyone was doing it but th- this is only the first like i only i have to be honest i only did it for the first three times because then when i saw that the government was kind of like hijacking it and using it as a way to kind of like oh well, let's clap for our carers it's like yeah let's clap for them let's also give them a pay rise let's also yeah. make sure that they've got the correct equipment they need let's make sure that they're supported in every way possible i mean like you know there was that uh, uh was it sir tom or somebody who walked his oh, garden you know him. i mean that's a wonderful thing for him to do Rape he shouldn't millions. have to do that though. yeah he did like yeah. isn't it terrible that a hundred year old man had to do that like he should be enjoying himself like you know or do you know what I mean he, should, he shouldn't have had to have done that to raise that money because the NHS should be funded by the government and like what I think the other another consequence of like lockdown is like I'm far more political than I ever was yeah. before because I think like not that I was apolitical before but now I'm just much more engaged with the events like I remember watching that um Dominic Cummings uh, press conference. Did you see that? Yeah. Right? Do you remember when he turned up half? he turns up half an hour late. The audacity of the, the fucker, honestly. And then like the way that um, you know he was like very nonchalant about yeah I went here and I did this and I was testing my eyesight and so like for example he was saying that he had the virus and he drove up to Durham. Yeah. Like now I'm thinking I had the virus. There's no way you could drive. You know you endangered so many lives along the way. Like you know anything could have happened to you. 
And that's what I, I started to find frustrating. Because in the beginning, I think it was so strange to have these daily prep, press conferences. Yeah. It was just such a different world to be in, to get that level of engagement from the leadership, like, you know, the, the, the Prime Minister. Well, let's not forget the Prime Minister didn't do these that he should have been leading it from the front yeah. but it was somebody else it was that wasn't it chris witty who was doing so we had the, the chief medical officer chief medical officer and i just felt a little bit surprised by the amount of time that they were, were committing initially and i thought okay this is they're taking it really seriously they want because we all wanted answers yeah um but then clearly they made huge mistakes when the press was still sitting in the room <laughs> not social distancing so mm. it wasn't we didn't ever have and i think it just was the approach that boris wanted to take mm. um a full lockdown even though it was a lockdown yes. and we walked around town and we were was empty. yeah we were allowed out mm. and I remember taking photos of Covent Garden and all these spots near the office and going around parks and thinking it was our walk because we were that this is our exercise yeah, our daily exercise and it was like wow this is not completely it is empty but it's not completely empty and I know in places like Paris it was like a full-on shutdown yeah. of everything yeah. And I think we were very quick to judge other countries, I think, uh, early on when we were seeing how Spain and Italy were coping with it. And then we realized that actually it was going to be way much worse for us. Yeah, because in Spain and like, for example, Spain and India and New Zealand, I, people there told me like how they were not allowed at all, no. at all. Like in India, you need to have getting, a letter, didn't you? Yeah, that, you need to have some exemption. Like I think only one person was allowed to go yeah. and fetch food. In India, food was delivered to you. And their lockdown was imposed like 24 hours before. Quickly, like, yeah. you know, and if you've ever been to India, you can imagine what a, a billion people. Herculean task that was. But do you know, I was recently reading as well how that, you know, the, the idea of the lockdown was to kind of flatten this curve and stop the rate of infection rising. But... Uh, and, the, and it would have been more effective had it come in earlier because mm. uh, we were actually closer to our peak when lockdown came in than we should have been. So actually our lockdown should have taken place back in February. So it makes me wonder, like, would I have got it in March? If you'd have been locked down. we'd been locked down. Yeah, have you actually thought about maybe where you even caught? You just wouldn't have any because it's just you're living your life. I was just living my life. I mean, I imagine that it was probably being a zone one hoe did probably backfire on us at that point. <laughs> You know, going to the exercise class. Because I was also thinking as well, like, when um, people were coming back, you know, you know, this government's all been about, like, oh, taking control of our borders and all this nonsense. But they didn't, like, when people were flying back from... You know, do you know, there do you, was no checks. There was no anything. checks or anything. Like, you think it'd be the common borders, sense. Yeah. Like, you know, you would check that if somebody... Because the thing is, the government knew that this virus existed back all the way back in January. They were aware of it and there's like certain contingencies and plans that they have to put into place mm. can you imagine if we had come into lockdown prepared in the sense that can you imagine yeah. if we knew that there was going to be a lockdown so in the month of march no one is going to be allowed to leave the house you need to prepare for this this is how you're going to bring yeah. your food and can you it would have been a complete i think yeah no i completely agree and i think it's just so unprecedented that i feel like just try, the way i was trying to see mm. it from the other perspective was how do you shut down a huge economy? Like, and I'm not saying that yeah. the economy takes precedent over lives mm. at all, no. not at all. But it's it's a, a big challenge where, because one thing I kept worrying about is, oh my God, where am I going to get food from X, Y, Z? And they were like, one of my friends was like, look, they're not going to let people starve. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Actually, we'll, we'll be taken care of. And I think people were too worried about things that they're, 
focused on in business. Yes. That that probably massively influenced his decision to slow down any sort of lockdown and not and, and massively underestimating the impact of this virus and and how it could have overwhelmed the NHS. And I think we were lucky because Nightingale and all these other hospitals. Yeah, but they didn't get Nightingale they didn't end up getting used at all, did I it? Didn't think they you know, it's did. interesting that the um, so Primark, for example, um, had to shut. It doesn't have like an online presence, and they had to shut all their stores. And I remember like they were asking. Uh, the CEO or some of their right. leadership team, like, what are you going? What are you guys? Are you going to go into online now? And they said that so they have uh, no online. They have, so they have online presence, but you can't buy it. Online. Oh, really? That's interesting. you can only see the range is on there, but you can't buy well, it. From they, there. That, that's pretty unique, isn't it? In this kind of very, time. very unique. I mean, that that means that they, you know, you see Primark and how much. I mean, they only opened in June, so they were shut for like March, April. May. They were shut for three months. God, they really want they everyone rely. to battle in that <laughs> jumble sale. <laughs> Having said that, I've been to Primark and recently. It's now because no one's in there. <laughs> it's gorgeous. It's such a wonderful Where's shopping experience. Like, you know, there's the sanitizer and like there's availability of products. You don't have to queue up for ages. Wow. I mean, like, not. Um, but what was interesting about what he said was he said that we can replace money, but we can't replace people. And I think that's such a important thing to remember. 100%. Like, if you think about like New Zealand, where in total there was 22 deaths, 20, or, you know, I think that might have risen to like, but it's still under 30 deaths. Yeah. Whereas if you look at the number of deaths we have here, I think we've got we've really gone into high numbers. And then if you look at like the US and um, India and Brazil and China, like all, there's so many like deaths that have taken place, and they they could have been avoided. This is the thing. Like, is that also because of where they're located geographically? In terms of we are such a central hub, aren't we? Mm. In, in London, it's centre of you know Europe between the states and. Mm. It's a place, I mean, Heathrow Airport is like the busiest, isn't it, in the world, or something, yeah, highest really. capacity, and I just think it must be easier for us to have a higher volume of people that are maybe even transiting through, mm. maybe for a day or two, stopovers, whereas New Zealand, I think, they may have that benefit of saying, look, if you're going to New Zealand, you're clearly going to New yeah, Zealand, yeah. and they have a smaller population, a lot more space, mm. a lower de- density, and then Australia, I feel a little bit the same. But again, I just, I, I also think they've made very quick, sensible decisions. And I yes. look to their, you know, their leaders and it's really inspiring because they're very young and, you know, female. And you just think, OK, why can't we have decisions made mm. in a way that is very clear and just quite assertive? And he, Boris was just generally not that assertive. I think he doesn't like, from what I heard and what people have said, he doesn't like telling people what to do. And I think it's... I, I I can imagine that there could be a concern around people maybe rioting or, you know, looting. All sorts of crazy stuff could have happened, couldn't it, It really? could have, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is the thing. It could have descended into absolute anarchy. And, like, you know, for example, uh, the rate of, of infection, new inf- new cases mm-hmm. and you know, infection is rising again. And Boris is buggered off on holiday now. He's gone on paternity leave. <laughs> and it's like he's somebody oh, who's... Course, it, yeah, I forgot. But he said now that, oh, paternity leave is, like, not something that I normally do. You know, like, who does paternity leave? I don't know there's just something very disingenuous about this. I'm so I've become so critical and cynical of this government now and I just don't like the way that they've handled this and like you said like you're right we are like a geographical like transit hub yeah and like you know so many so much of the world like you know, and that's what we rely on as well our economy exactly but, yeah you know even if even if we're keeping the economy you know if we're thinking that the economy is like the priority here but it's at the cost of it, people's lives yeah exactly that's what's scary and the thing is like in a society like if you start valuing profit over people 
then that, I mean, you're only as strong as your weakest people in your society. So if we're not protecting the vulnerable, if we're not protecting the weak, you know, so many, I mean, there's, uh, there's also people who, uh, victims of um, domestic abuse. Oh, so it increased massively. Massively. And like, you know, lock, being in lockdown, I can understand how these things can like escalate and happen. And mm. it's just kind of like, that's the kind, like, I feel that the government should be protecting vulnerable people like that. And also in care homes, the, you know, the way the virus spread in care homes. That, that should have been managed clear, especially yeah. given the fact that we knew that the elderly were more vulnerable or people over, not necessarily elderly, so elderly. people over 50. They, they're vulnerable people, it's, it's, exactly. Anyone who's vulnerable should have been lo- looked after. But this government was more like, oh, well, let's keep, let's worry about the economy. Like, you know, if the economy crashes, then what are we going to do? And it's like, well, yeah, it's great, but the economy we can always rebuild. We yeah, will always be able to get bring back, back to people. It. We can't bring back people. Like you know, the preservation of life should have been uh, far more like important. No, I agree. So, and in terms of uh, in lockdown, what what do you think you would have done differently, or you know, compared to how you do things now? Is this something you would have taken advantage of? Do you know? I would have. I think. Yeah, I would have like um, kind of like read more of the. I don't know. I think because it was such a. I would have definitely kind of thought about a project or something. Or, do you know what I mean? Like, because where, when do you ever well, get this? actually talking of projects. <laughs> so speaking of projects, I mean, this is the how the podcast's mind was born, which is like, you know, this was the, this has given us the courage and the kind of like, you know, drive to do something. But um, I don't know. I, would, I, I think I would have used the time a bit more wisely. But then having said that, no one knew how long this would have lasted. Like, in, our, in the back of our minds, we were already saying like in June, July, it was all going to be back to normal and we were all going to be... Yeah. You know, and now we're sitting here in August, and like it doesn't look like things are going to change at all. It's crazy like, how quickly time has gone by. When I think about that again, when I was getting, you know, thinking through on my way here, I thought, wow, so much time has gone by, and it's made us think differently. It's just disrupted our routine, and we found new hobbies, new interests, found ways to kind of explore our creativity. Mm. And I think that obviously there's so much tragedy surrounding this this time, but I feel like. You know, we have. I have to find a way to kind of focus on something that is going to give me energy because obviously, you know, not seeing my family has not been easy. I saw them yeah. for the first time mm. last weekend. Mm-hmm. My niece and nephew, and that you know, being able to do those things without fearing that you're going to contaminate, you know, make your family ill. Because mm-hmm. the thing is, I could come home and think, okay, look, if I make myself ill, then I, I'm responsible for myself. But yeah. and I don't want to be sick alone. But then. I don't want to make somebody... That is, that's more concerning to me. Mm. So I feel like that's the thing I feel like maybe I could have maybe made more effort to go to see my family a bit earlier, but actually I think I felt more comfortable and safe to do it now. No, I, I agree with you. Like, I think you did the right thing because I think, yeah, you're right. It's, and it also, you know, lockdown is also... One thing that it has taught me is, uh, as well as like self-preservation is so important. This whole idea of like fixing your own mask first, pun intended... <laughs> But, you know, doing your own mask first and then somebody else's, you, that is the way forward. Because if you can't, like, focus yourself and, like, you know, if your own mental health or your own physical mm. health is in danger, then you can't really help somebody else, can you? Whereas mm. if you're... Uh, and this is come, kind of leads back to that point that I was saying, that, like, you know, the you're only as strong as the weakest person in your team or, mm. in your, you know, whatever in your society. So if you empower them and lift them up, then you, that's going to make you stronger in the long run. No, I agree. And that point you meant, made about mental health, I remember reading something quite early on, because I think I did speak to one of my other friends who's quite similar to me in a lot of ways, and she said, 
how you find in lockdown and we normally confide a lot in one another about how we're feeling and the stresses we go through and um, they were like I'm fine at the moment and I was like me too and we were like wow what, why is it that we feel okay it's not everyone keeps saying it are you okay and I'm mm. kind of like actually I am is there something that I'm just not saying and there's obviously reasons why because we don't live with anyone vulnerable there's definitely reasons why yeah. we wouldn't have felt as immediately stressed um, but then I think it's also because we read in an did I read it or maybe she they had told me but there's something around people that suffer from anxiety probably dealt with it better because they were less um, it was less necessary to be around a lot of people so actually that wasn't being triggered as much but then I and as soon as I became conscious of that I thought actually look I don't want to exacerbate that I don't want to feel like you know end up with agoraphobia or some sort of other challenge of not being out and I am like even though I am quite uh, introverted in a lot of ways I love my spirit. I am an extroverted person I get my energy from other people so I thought I don't want to ever be in a situation and I feel like I'm glad quite early on I started seeing people I started seeing you yeah. safely in the park and we have been doing that today and I, th- I feel glad that that's something that we managed to do throughout yeah no, absolutely yeah. I mean that's so so important and I think also you've hit on a really good point there that everyone's experience of this time was so different I think that's kind of why we wanted to do an episode of it because I think imagine in a year's time where we kind of think about like oh lockdown like even like like you were saying like you know you forgot how it was right at the start of it yeah it did and like you know lockdown's eased for want of a better word I mean like I don't yeah. know if we're still in you know it could still we could still go back to yeah. that phase again so it's it's it, yeah this is kind of like our crossroads Brittany like you know <laughs> our, our time capsule like you know oh let's open the time capsule do you remember what happened during like you know oh, but uh, it's yeah so what is your um, what will be your abiding memory of lockdown I think it's going to be I think uh, actually you go first because I need to think about it <laughs> so I think it is um, park life yeah I really do I, just being able to do things very very differently and wanting to to find a way to slow down and appreciate the, the moment and not being so concerned about fear of missing out mm. which is something that has always consumed me for a, for a long time doing trips constantly and being on this hamster wheel mm. I felt felt as though this is something that I'm gonna take away from this and find a way to retain it in my routine mm. yeah. that's a really good that's a really good way of putting it yeah I think mine is like yeah I'd say mine is like an echo of that in the sense that I've probably learned how to refocus my energy mm. like for example we've been talking about doing this podcast for years donkeys years honestly years. and like it's you know the, it was the pandemic that kind of gave us the kind of like kutzpah and like you know push forward to like say right all right let's just do it it doesn't matter you know see what happens and i think that's i think so i think it's that kind of sense of like everything that can be taken away from you so quickly or you know we were talking earlier about going out dancing and how much we miss dancing oh, and like absolutely. you know and i'm thinking now how before pre-lockdown i was always like oh yeah i'm gonna go to the club one day and i'm gonna go and dance and stuff and then i always get to get putting oh, i'll go next week or i'll do this next week yeah. and then lo and behold now it's not there and now it's the thing that i want to do the most yeah. so it's very yeah i think it's definitely about refocusing and redirecting my energies into things that i really want to do mm. and really love i think that's going to probably be what i take away most from that. that is great we will be right back At the time of recording, new cases of the virus are still being reported in high quantities across England. Wearing a mask, washing your hands regularly and social distancing are now part and parcel of our lives. 
who knows if we'll ever see a time like we did pre-COVID. I know. When are you going to be able to go back to Yves Lom and like buy products? Not, well, first of all, you bought their entire stock. I mean, I came out. From zone one. And, like, <laughs> you cannot get Yves. Never mind toilet paper, hand sanitizer. Yves Lom, you were not able to get because you. It's uh, because of me. You, like, you two are like shady bitches. Like you've got your own WhatsApp group together. I know. I know you I'm, even Liz Club. What's a Liz Club one? The Liz Club. <laughs> You just invented, invented a new brand that I'm definitely going to be trademarking. Liz, Liz Claiborne, have you never heard of Liz Claiborne? No. no it's is an that actual fashion brand? brand, yeah. Oh, sorry. Is it fashion or is it beauty? I can't remember. No, it's beauty, it's another oh, beauty they brand. They need to work on their branding. We don't even know what the hell their product is. Well, you're, very, you, you're an exclusive contract, aren't you, with Yves Lom? I got an amazing email from Yves Lom. It was directly <laughs> to their beauty community. <laughs> it made me laugh so much. It was... It was like using all these phrases that we were so used to hearing, like, you know, it's uncertain times and unprecedented events. <laughs> we want to let you know we are here for you. Our customer service are on between nine and five. I was like, this has got better working hours than my therapist. <laughs> but it made me laugh so much. But it, it, that was the kind of thing that reminded me, look, you know, we've got to find a way to treat ourselves in lockdown and do something that makes us laugh a little bit. And yeah. I did post about that on, on Facebook <laughs> and it went down a treat. And my hashtag of don't panic, moisturize, moisturize. went down quite well. Priorities, honestly, like never mind about like sanitation like you. But um, yeah, yeah, Eve Lom, I mean, like she's, I've never used her products before. Are they any good? It's the best cleanser. So Liz Earl, the one I did start with, yeah. it, I think they completely stole the concept of like using a muslin cloth and a cleanser. Yeah. Um, and they stole that from the east, yeah. They definitely stole And that in bidets. And then um, she, this cleanser is absolutely amazing. It just leaves your skin feeling so supple and hydrated. Mm. And it's, even now, during really hot and sweaty times that we're in, it's just... Can I just say, like, you can't see, but Sunny's, like, giving, serving cover girl commercial realness. Like, you and you're, like, you're, like, soft and... So he's stroking his face with his finger, kind of like, it's soft and moisturised. Just... <laughs> like the camera's going crazy, the lighting is I'm amazing. Getting, like huge zoom ins. It's like, but it, it, and you're smizing. I'm, I'm doing my best, mm. and it is. It's the best cleanser I've ever used. It lasts for ages as well. It's it's pricey, but it's it's my little treat to myself. Well, you you you've got a lifetime supply now. So <laughs> I don't think you need to worry about it running out. <laughs> I'm down to my last bottle. I need to order it immediately. I need to have like at least ten bottles in stock. <laughs> Imagine your bathroom is like probably like an Eve Lom showroom, isn't it? Like, you oh, you haven't seen it yet, have you? Oh, I need to show you. Well, yeah, next time you come over, you'll get to see my little display collection. I'm sure when people come over, they probably think I'm crazy because of the OCD is just insane. It's on level 10, the way I've arranged my bottles. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a, a hidden ambassador for these brands. Well, that's, yeah. Well, hopefully they can sponsor us. Like, you know, they could be like... You know, I'm happy for that. Yeah, definitely. If they send us free products, we'll definitely do full reviews. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm caveating everything I've said unless I get a check in the post. <laughs> you can do it for a So, I mean, we've confirmed that Eve Lom is yours. She, oh, she's, yes. And the podcast is also mine. Excuse me, it's mine. Uh, no, no, it's mine. We hope you enjoyed listening. Please don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast and tell a friend. You can follow us on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, at The Podcast Is Mine, Twitter, at Podcast Is Mine, or email us, thepodcastismine at gmail.com. Oh, and one more thing, The Podcast Is Mine.